Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. The book has been called Hilarious, Moving, Terrifically Satisfying, Heartbreaking in the Best Way, Unique, Honest, Poignant, Pitch Perfect, Charming, Heartwarming, and Thoughtful. And so is the author. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, first of all, I want to mention there are three empty seats in front. The three people want to fill in who are standing and weak or something <laughs> short. I see Leela moving up. She is short. <laughs> Oh good, we've got people. The other thing I'd like to ask you guys, um, my mom really wanted to be here, but she's in St. Louis, and she has asked for lots of pictures. So if you guys can make this look like people actually showed up and wanted to be here, you will make my family life like a lot easier at Christmas later this year. So thank you in advance. Um, just tag me on Twitter, the Ames, and Instagram, that Ames. I don't know why I picked two different usernames. I'm awful. Uh, thank you so much to Skylight Books for having me, for making the January exception. I feel really special and loved, which is a great way to feel. I went to Ann Stampler's event last Sunday, and she started out and said all these like lovely, beautiful things, and I wanted to do that, but I'm not good at being earnest or nice in public. So I really do want to thank Skylight. I want to thank all you guys for coming, all my friends, all my coworkers, all the people I don't know here. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you're all eating cupcakes. Thank you so much to Rochelle Hartson for making them. They are hot cocoa themed. If you read the book, you know my main character is obsessed with hot cocoa, so that's that's the whole gist of that. Um, also, Jesse Weinberg is not here, but um, she photographed and designed the book cover, and it's beautiful, and I just want to thank her so much. Her friends know how great she is. You guys who don't know her can see. So thank you to Jesse Weinberg. I think that's all I have to thank. Otherwise, in general, you guys are all awesome. Um, I'm going to pass around the temporary tattoos because if you did not get one, you should at least have one for later. I got some really cool ones from Target, <laughs> including a lot of Hello Kitty. <laughs> Can you pass so I'm going to read a little, and we'll do some Q&A. I have some items to give away. Hopefully, that'll be exciting for you guys. I feel like I'm really close. I'm going to back up just a little. I feel like I'm like on top of you. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read a little section about her family first, and then I'm going to read stuff from the opening, and then we'll go from there, see what happens. My sister Sarah is really good with numbers. Honestly, she's good at everything, but numbers especially. Normally when people say things like that, they just mean someone's good at math, but the point is that she's good at something useful. When we moved into the big house down the street from the old house, Sarah knew how many boxes each room would take. It probably doesn't sound that exciting, nothing like knowing how many jelly beans are in a jar and then winning a prize, but way more useful. 
I'm not good at many things that are useful. A fact mom delights in telling me. It's not that she's disappointed, no. Her parents have always told her the same thing, which she bought into for a long time. She says, Kelly, baby, I bought into that. Can you believe it? And I actually can't. No matter how many times she tells the story, I can't believe mom trained to be a paralegal and went to work every day in a jacket and skirt and the scary flesh-toned pantyhose with tasteful pumps until the day she realized she was miserable. I ripped myself free of a nylon hose existence, she likes to say which I thought was a figurative saying until the day we were packing to move into the new house and mom actually found the torn pair of hose. Mom hangs on to the weirdest stuff. So anyway, I've been carrying on family tradition, well, mom traditions at least. Dad gets this concerned look on his face whenever he sees one of my report cards. He's a lawyer, that's how he and mom met one billion years ago. And he thinks grades are a window into our futures. Kelly, you wanna get into a good college, don't you? Good colleges all want Sarah already, two months into her senior year. I remind Dad of this, I'm only a junior, and therefore, who could be courting me yet? Unfortunately, he has a better memory than I do, and points out that a year ago, Sarah was already being wooed by universities from east to west. Obviously, Sarah is Dad's favorite. And while I really should have had a shot at being Mom's favorite, she spends loads of time detailing how she loves all of us exactly the same amount. <laughs> My only hope is maybe she's lying to spare Sarah's and Finn's feelings. All oh, right, Finn, since he's only four, we don't know if he's going to make mom proud by being as unskilled at useful things as me. So far, his big interests are zebras, kaleidoscopes, and the stupid singing fish mom let him pick out at a garage sale. So all signs point to yes. <laughs> now you're in the opening. And something I want to preface the opening with is I wrote this, and I had dark hair. And I wrote about her having red hair, and now when I read it, I feel really uncomfortable. Like I'm talking about myself, and just I'm not. So when it happens, you're all gonna look at my hair and be like, "You're talking about your." I'm not. <laughs> Rochelle and I were roommates when I started writing this book. She'll vouch for me. And why would she be nice to me? She's already made me cupcakes. I don't think she'd do another thing. So she's telling the truth. Thanks, Rochelle. Where are you? I need you if you have time. I shoved my phone into my pocket instead of responding to the very unlike my sister text Sarah has just sent. My best friend is in emergency mode and I am best friending. But what if Chelsea Herp was true? Why would he be talking to her? Caitlin stares at herself in the bathroom mirror and then spins away from her reflection. We're not even supposed to be here and if he's just going to talk to her all night? No one cares that we're here, I say, even though I have no proof of that fact. I'm not letting Caitlin panic. It's a party. People go to parties. We can be people who go to parties now. Or at least bathrooms of parties. <laughs> ha ha. She gets her phone out of her purse and checks it. For what I don't know, but whatever she's hoping for isn't there. Seriously, Kelly, what, I'm, what am I supposed to do now? Here's the thing. I don't really know. But I will be the friend with a plan. Probably we should get out of the bathroom. And you should go walk in a sightline. Walk in a sightline? Caitlin, I say, like this is all so obvious and I'm not just making things up as I go. He supposedly told a bunch of people you were hot. Go be hot in front of him. He'll stop talking to Brandy, her, about whatever popular people bond over. He will make out with you. Caitlin peers even more intensely into the mirror. You promise? If I'm honest, I'll admit that lately I don't exactly love gazing into mirrors where both Caitlin and I are reflected back. It's been years since our bodies had first gotten the memo about grown-up things like boobs and hips. But now that we're well into being 16, things seem to have settled, and I guess we're just going to look like this. <laughs> that memo circulated in Caitlin's hormones, must have used lots of references to the magazine she reads, and I don't because mom thinks they set bad examples and expectations for teenage girls. Caitlin emerged from puberty with a tiny waist and the perfect bra size, not flat chested, but not so developed, people make up unfounded rumors about her experience level. 
meanwhile, my hormones had taken that memo very literally. Boobs check, hips check, two of each, all in the right places. A renaissance painting for Caitlin, artless puberty for me. Not that I'm ugly McUgerstein or anything. Up until very recently, it balanced out because Caitlin always had very normal brown hair that just sort of hung there, the way normal hair does. I'm pretty sure my hair's texture had up until my birth only been seen on lion's manes and expensive stuffed animals. But at least mom dyes it for me. Currently it's flamey red and comb through with enough vanilla scented styling product to behave. From enough of a distance, I absolutely look like a beautiful flowing, naturally vanilla scented red hair. <laughs> and lately though, Kaylin has been taking the Amex her parents gave her to make up for getting divorced or whatever to a fancy salon where she emerges with sleek caramel colored hair that rests above her shoulders with a thoughtful little flip. The first time I saw the new style, I told her it looked like angels had patted the ends into place with the flap of their wings. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke, but it really did look that flawless. No one prepares you for waking up to realize your best friend who grew up with you step by step and side by side is suddenly, okay, hot. Also, I should clarify that I hate that I hate this. I'm not the kind of person who's ever cared about being the hottest or coolest or most congenial or whatever girls are supposed to get hung up over. So having my hackles up because Caitlin now ranks above me in these categories isn't exactly a shining achievement for me. I promise, I say, even though I know it's dangerous making promises about another person's actions. This one's as safe or bad as you can get, though. Of course Garrett will want to make out with Caitlin. I start to open the bathroom door, but my phone buzzes again in my pocket. It's another text from Sarah. Hey, are you there? Go! I ignore the text, put my hands on Caitlin's shoulders, and steer her toward the door. Conquer! Hang on. She pulls a strap of her black lacy bra out from her shirt, also black lacy. You saw this, right? It's okay. Like, if we get that far? Trust me, boys will be happy to just see your underwear. I wear freaking boy shorts, and I've had no complaints. I say it so easily by now, it's basically no longer a lie. Seriously, go do this. Caitlin gives me a hug before flinging open the door of the bathroom. I follow her out, but since I'm only at this party for moral support, I now have nothing to do. I find an open spot on the couch in the living room of whoever's house this is and get my phone back out. Are you okay? I finally text Sarah. Kind of stuck at this party right now. I don't add that Sarah's never not okay because it's probably not nice to make people justify their not being okayness. Sarah texts back fast. Sorry about that. I sounded so dramatic. I'm fine. This is a cool person party and Caitlin and I are definitely not cool people. I think I'd be exerting a lot of energy trying to just blend in, but it doesn't actually look any different from any other party I've been to. No one's circling up to take a gulp from the golden chalice of popularity. Thanks, guys. So for anyone who's read the book already or knows about the book, um, Kelly's mom and stepdad own a tattoo shop in St. Louis called The Family Inc. So I had some t-shirts made for The Family Inc. Hang on, I'm going to get them out. Right here. Ah, ta-da! And I have some to give away. Yay! So I just decided the first don't do anything yet. <laughs> the first people to answer questions I'm going to give T-shirts to. So I'm going to try to be really like I you know some of you. I'm going to try not to play favorites. I'm going to try to be really honest and don't yell at people if you think they raise their hands before you because we're not in school, everyone. We're adults. Some of us are adults. If children misbehave, that's okay. Um, and I have different sizes, so I hope everyone can be clothed. Um, I have like five or six that I bought. So, okay, are you ready? First question. Do you have a question for me, anyone? Or, yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, I feel like I didn't do that right. But I'm gonna let you go anyway, because you raised your hands. 
Oh, on my book? She asked whose arm it is on my book. Um, this is a model named Kristen Williams, and she's actually, she's really pretty. And when she showed up for the shoot, we were, Jesse and I were like, she is too pretty, considering all the stuff in the book about how she's not pretty enough. So we like made her hair look a little ratty and didn't get her flawless eyes, but she's like so pretty. So if you, her and actually she's a friend of the girl who was a model for the Reese Malcolm list, and they run a, a style blog together called Style Smoothie, and they do lots of really cool photo shoots, so you should look them up. But they're, I mean, they're way too beautiful to be people I write about, let's just be honest. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give you a shirt. I picked her size because she was a child, but for the rest of you, you're gonna have to pick your own size. I'm not gonna be a creep, guess at your size. <laughs> All right, so I'm now I'm gonna make this clear. This is a Q&A part, and the first people to answer questions in the Q&A part get a free t-shirt. To, to ask questions to me, yes. Where did you get your inspiration for the story? Where did I get my inspiration for the story? Great, um, I'm, gonna give, I'm gonna get the shirts back to you, pick one, give them back to me, is that great? Someone at Skylight maybe want to do this part so it's less awkward for me. <laughs> there we go. There's a few different sizes. Her. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, the inspiration for this, actually, hey, let's just get super personal, guys, because why not? I know most of you, and I think this is being recorded, but why not? Um, when I was an adult, uh, my younger brother's adopted, and he got back in touch with his biological family, and I had the thought, I'm really glad that didn't happen when he was a teenager and hated us, because we never would have seen him again. Because I feel like most teenagers, if they got the option to get like a reset button and get a new family, you might be like, yeah, that's easier. And I could be special here, because I'm new. So I thought, like, what if that did happen to someone who was a teenager, and what would that be like? And then I decided, well, I want to make the adoptive family like not the perfect one. I want them to be the ones that seem weird. So I made the mom a tattoo artist, and I made them a divorced family, and I thought it was fun to kind of play with the conventions that maybe the person who gave her up was the one a little more together, and the family was seemed a little weirder. So that was the initial inspiration. All right, next question. Gets a t-shirt. <laughs> Yes, Rebecca. What do you plan on working on next? What do I plan on working on next? Uh, I am finishing edits for my third book called Kissing Ted Callahan and Other Guys. Nice. And um, it's going really well, so I'm sure it's terrible. Uh, it's like I'm at a really good point where it's almost finished and I get to turn it back in for a while, so I feel good. After, it's a romantic comedy set in Los Feliz, so it's exciting actually writing about where I live. And next up, I'm writing another romantic comedy. Uh, that's all I want to say because it's really new and I'm scared of it. Is that going to be a dollar or what? No, they're all YA. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know how to write like a grown-up. <laughs> she asks a question and gets a T-shirt. Uh, next question, guys. Yes, Miriam. What was the writing process like for you throughout this book? What was the writing process like for me throughout this book? Uh, I actually wrote this book in 2008. It was like the first real book I wrote, and so. I kind of knew what I was doing, but not really. And it just kind of came out. Her voice was really easy for me, and I had a lot of fun with it. I had a critique partner who would look at like every 3,000 words or something that I'd send and would encourage me. And then like the story finished, so I was like, did I write a book? She's like, yeah, I think it's a book. And so I sent it to agents, and they said, well, it's not really a book yet, but it's close. So I did a lot of revising. It actually got me an agent. Um, 
took a long time to sell, and at that point, the editorial letter I got really reflected that it was just barely a book. And so <laughs> the editing process was really hard, and I had to do a lot of plot restructuring and you know, making characters get along that didn't get along before and things like that to make conflict more apparent once it happened. So it was a lot of work, but it was fun initially. And then when it was finished, <laughs> different books are fun at different parts. So this was definitely not one that was fun in the edits, but I'm glad I stuck with it. Yes, Hope. Did you write for your school paper in high school? And, and sorry, it's a two-part. <laughs> did you have fun writing the articles for the book? Did I write for my school paper, and did I have fun writing the articles for the book? Um, I did not really write for the school paper because you could only be on your book or, or be on the school paper unless you wanted to like sacrifice your actual English class. So I decided to take like a real English class and then do yearbook for some reason, which really yearbook was like sitting in a corner. Like, I remember this. Why am I telling you guys this? We like made a checklist of everyone in our class and who we thought had had sex yet. Because <laughs> like we had a list of all the seniors, so we're like, what else are we gonna do with this? Which I think actually, I think I have like a vague nod to that in this book. Um, because what a horrible, like horrible thing to do. And and then we would just get to drive around and ask people to buy ads. And all we would do is go to my parents' restaurant and um, get free food and then go back to school. So you can see why I didn't want to be in the paper because that might have actually required work. <laughs> um, but I did have fun writing her articles for the book because like, a, I didn't get to do that in school, and B, even if I had, it wouldn't have been like, like smart-ass editorials. So it was fun like making up the school in my head and then be like, what would this person want to make fun about it and just kind of going to town. So yeah, no and yes. Yes, Carlos. You're the only Carlos. <laughs> um, will you be getting a tattoo to celebrate this book? And if you are, what would it be? <laughs> so I really thought about getting tattoos, like obviously I like getting tattoos a lot and I've gotten them to celebrate things in my life. But I started thinking that ideally I will have a lot of books published and I don't want to do something that's going to end up real bad eventually. I have the same thing about my pets. Rachel and I were just talking about this last week. How it's like I love my pets, and I was like, oh, I'll get a tattoo for every pet I get. And I'm like, why well, might be a really old lady with a lot of cats on me? So, so I'm no, I I'm not going to get a tattoo to celebrate. I'm going to do something else for this in the first book, and I'm still not quite sure what it's going to be, but. It's not going to be a tattoo, sorry. <laughs> but like, hopefully 10 books in, you'll be like, that was a good call, Amy. You don't look disgusting. <laughs> Next question, and I think there's still a couple shirts left. Yes, Scott? Uh, can you share with us your favorite thing that was in draft one that didn't make it in the final book? My favorite thing in draft one that didn't make it? OK, I will, but I'm going to have to think about it for a second. <laughs> I'm not doing a bit. I'm really thinking. Um, God, I don't know. This is really hard. Well, the character Mitchell used to be like a different character. He used to be like this like weird smart ass guy. And I just like made him more of a normal person. And so there were a lot of scenes where they were goofing off. Um, also, oh, I thought of something good. If any of you have read the Reese Malcolm list, um, there's a character named Mira who's like kind of Devin's nemesis for a while. She used to be a character in this book. She was uh, Kelly's sister's best friend. And my critique partner sent me a note that basically was real vague, but said, 
You know, no one ever says, I wish that book had more characters. <laughs> so, I took out some characters, including Mira. But I loved her so much that I was like, I have to use her. And I was working on Resnack, so I just moved her, I moved her to LA and let her be in that book. So, but it was really, it was like, I felt like I was killing a person to like delete all her lines. And I just like gave her lines to um, Kelly's boyfriend's brother, which was like, that's weird too, but somehow they had the, kind of the same purpose in the book, so it worked out. <laughs> Fun fact. Is there, are the shirts all gone? Carlos is doing something hinky. Did Scott get a shirt? Okay, the shirts are all gone. I hope you guys still will ask questions now, because I really want Okay, not, yes, Miriam has another question. Um, do you know someone like Adelaide, or where did she come from? Uh, I don't know. Do I know someone like Adelaide? Not exactly. Um, I think there are parts of Adelaide that are probably annoying, like me. Um, but I just wanted Kelly to have like an absolute foil who she'd actually get along with. And so it was like, well, who's the opposite of someone who kind of is a slacker and wants to do the bare minimum and not be, you know, kind of be seen as cool, but not too cool. And so I came up with her and she just, as soon as I started writing her, she was so fun. Like she kept becoming more and more of the book. She was, I don't think I intended her initially to be like a big part of it, but she kind of took over and I loved her. Yes, Rochelle. This question is probably going to tell people a little too much about how much I like food, but um, in most <laughs> books that I, uh, you, you write a lot about, like food is a big part of the book. Um, do you find it easier or harder to write those parts when you're hungry or is it better? <laughs> it is, yeah. Rochelle. The reason I'm asking is because when I read your books, I can't be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Rochelle asked if it was easier or harder to write about food in my books when I'm hungry. Um, it can be really awful sometimes, and sometimes it has led me to like call for delivery of foods that I was like not even thinking about five minutes earlier, where I'm like, oh, I'm starving, I have to edit the scene or eat sushi. <laughs> order sushi now so yeah it's really hard and I also I always think about um, I think it's I think it's in bossy pants it might have been an interview with Tina Fey but people I guess a lot of people say like hey like why did you decide to write such a weird show and she's like this is the show that I wrote I did not mean for it to be weird I thought it, I was writing a sitcom that was normal and that's how I feel when people are like why do you choose to write about food I'm like I thought that was a normal amount of food to write about <laughs> Apparently, I really like food. I like talking about. I also think a lot of social things happen around food. Like, I feel like we go out for food, we talk about food, we Instagram food. So it's like, I don't know, maybe I just like food. <laughs> <laughs> it's what fat authors do, guys. <laughs> okay, next question. Yes, Kayla. Um, outside of other writers and other books, where do you, um, what arts do you get your inspiration from? Music? What arts do I get my inspiration from? Probably mostly, I just feel like I'm just sounds like a slacker. Television? Um, no, I really love television. I think the, the idea of like long-term like story arcs and like being with characters for a long time is similar to novels. And so I actually, I also think there's a lot of, I shouldn't say there's a lot, I wish there were more, but there are good TV shows now, and there have been, that are about teenagers, but also don't neglect adults and still treat adults like they have, you know, purpose and they're not like just old squares that are preventing kids from doing cool things and so I feel like a lot of times I that those are the kind of stories that really resonate with me and like kind of small real life stories so I get a lot of inspiration from TV but I also you know I read a lot I, I love musical theater and 
comedy. I, you know, I, it's like when people are like, what are you into? You're like, oh, music and movies and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, everything. I try to get inspiration from everything, especially the more I write, the less I want to lean on other books because I don't want to like start just like, oh, that book worked. I'll just do that. So it's fun to kind of get inspired by other things and try to bring that to, to writing books. Yes, next question. Yes, Brandy. Um, what's your relationship with St. Louis like now versus when you wrote the book? What's my relationship with St. Louis now versus when I wrote the book? Um, it's actually fairly similar, except I think St. Louis keeps getting cooler since I left. I'm trying not to take it personally. Uh, when I lived in St. Louis, I hated it. I just thought of it as like the means to an end to like leave and move somewhere like a real city and be with cool people and do cool things and not always feel like I was like the odd man out. And you know, since I've moved away and I get to come back as like a tourist versus someone who lives there, it's great. There are microbreweries now. You can drink beers that are not Anheuser-Busch. You can, like, I choose who I hang out with. So it feels like everyone's cool when it's just that I'm self-selecting a lot. And it's, you know, there's a lot of really, you know, exciting new areas and restaurants. Um, so it's cooler than when I wrote it. But even when I wrote it, I really just wanted to acknowledge, like, the parts of the city that were cool versus this is not set where I actually, like, lived and where my parents live now because you would, it would be a really boring book. So I'm like, what if they lived in the cool part of town and then their business was in the even cooler part of town? So, and a lot of people are like, St. Louis sounds great after reading your book. I'm like, I may have made it sound too, don't move there. <laughs> All right, yes. No, there are no illustrations in the book. However, if you go to like the beginning of each chapter, there's like the little swallows from the back cover. And the little chapter breaks are um, little hearts with birds, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Um, what's your favorite IPA? My favorite? I don't drink IPAs, really. I'm sorry. I'm like a stout and porter person, mainly. I'm like the lightest. Like, I don't know. In the summer, I might drink something lighter, but I don't like beers that are really hoppy, so it's too much for me. But thanks for asking. <laughs> yes, Nadia. Um, is there anything that you want to know in the future of the character in high school in terms of activities that they haven't done yet? Because they're raised in a peaceful theater, which we love. Is there anything left that you're like, I love a character that did like? Yeah, I want to write a character who's athletic, but it really scares me because I hate being athletic. And I, whenever I would see people going to practice, I'd be like, oh, what are you doing with your time? Read a book. Like, like an asshole. Like, those kids went home and read books later. Like, I was, I was like a super judgmental teenager. It was the early mid-90s, you know, so it was like a lot of dark lipstick and judgmental thoughts. And I was such a jerk. So I really want to challenge myself to have to write a character who's not like that and um, who is, like, committed to a thing that I don't quite get and then I would have to do research about and learn. So we'll see. Yes. Sarah Skelton from the side. Yes. She's the, I'm not talking to myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you created three-dimensional parents in YA, which is sometimes a bit of a rare thing. Um, was that something you sort of thought to do deliberately, or did it just happen naturally that they sort of became more important characters than maybe they are in other people's YA books? 
Sarah asked about the parents that are right away because they're, I guess, three-dimensional and more present than a lot. This is another thing where I didn't know I was weird and unusual. And I'm like, everyone has parents. You gotta write about them and you gotta live with them. So they're in the book. And then I, almost on my reviews, which are lovely, they they point that out that I guess it's unusual. So no, it's not. It's not on purpose. I, I mean, I think partially because I am an adult, I like to know what adults are up to. And I also know that when I was a teenager, I always wanted to know what adults were doing because it felt like they were much more together and cooler and like they could drive anywhere and like go to a bar and what was that about? And I was like a really square teenager, so I was like, I have no idea what that's about. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of teenagers are curious like what adults are like. And I also, um, one of my friends said this way better than I could, so I'm gonna kind of steal what she said, but she said like your teenage years are not where you're kind of hitting all your big roadblocks in life. It's where you're maybe encountering them for the first time. Things you're gonna maybe have to deal with as an adult later. Because I think adults still have to, you know, deal with like awkward romance stuff and friendship drama and like figuring out who you are. It doesn't go away because you turn 18 or 21 or graduate college or whatever. So I think a lot of times it ties together well, so I just like to explore all that. Yes, Hillary. Um, have you been hearing from like teenage readers of your book what themes resonate with them? Is it like the tattoo stuff or the adoption or? I don't know about other way writers here. I don't hear from teenagers at all. Like I hear from bloggers and librarians, and they are fantastic, and I love them. I don't know what teenagers do. Um, I am scared of them. Um, I feel like. Hey guys, I'm pretty cool, I'm like a teenager. And then I go to a high school event, I'm like, oh god, I'm not, I'm so old. So, I, I don't hear anything. I, if you find one and they've read my book, ask them a question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're, I think, may, I don't know, like, should I make myself available on Snapchat? Like, I don't know, like, I don't know where they are. And I don't know, like, I'm sure other YA authors here have done school events, and they're just like, how much money do you make? <laughs> what kind of movies do you like? No, I mean, not to do with your, do you like movies? <laughs> it's, so it's just like you end up having, like, real, oh, the best question, Sarah and I, I don't know where she went. We did an event, and someone's like, who's your favorite Doctor Who companion? And I'm like, Donna Noble. And then I was like, why am I here? Like, <laughs> so, no. Any of you have good teenage experience, tell me, I'm curious. <laughs> yes, Caroline. Um, is there anything you've written in any of your books that have like happened to you after you wrote it? That like freaked you out or something? <laughs> hmm. She asked if anything happened to my books that then happened to me in real life later. I don't think so, but now I'm like paranoid that it will. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe. Now I don't know. You guys are asking challenging questions that are interesting. I like it. Yes, Nick? That's a boring question, but... Don't sell yourself short before you even start. Now we're all like, oh, Nick. So you're talking about the editing process, how this one was more challenging for you. Um, I'm curious, when in the first version of the book, was there more focus on the relationship between the sisters, or was there more focus on the romance of the characters and how did that change? Uh, Nick asked about the editing process and what changed. The interesting thing is the people who read it before and then read it after I'd edited, the story is fairly different. It's it's a lot more like plot, really boring plot, structural and mechanical things, just like how, you know, have a slow build up to things happen, get her on the paper sooner, have this meeting happen. So it's like all the same stuff but just in an order where there's actual like inherent buildup and a climax and resolution. Um, 
I mean, the big changes were basically her and her sister didn't get along before. And I'll admit, my brother and I, like as adults, we still don't get along. And so I just kind of assume that siblings don't like each other. And apparently a lot of siblings do like each other. And my editor, I sometimes, you, I, I don't know, do other writers sometimes feel like your editorial letter is like a therapist like note to you? Like, why would this go on? And you're like, because of reality. And apparently, no, just my reality. So it was actually a really hard challenge to uh, make them get along and just be comfortable with each other. And I was kind of fretting about it. And someone said, like, you know how to write best friends? Just write them like that. And that took so much weight off trying to invent this new relationship. I just wrote them like friends. It was it was much easier. But it was a lot of stuff like that. It was a lot of, like, why not have this person not mind this for a while, and then when something bad happens, have that be the bad thing. There, there was a lot of, like, like little, like, plot things like this instead of, like, this. So, I don't, it's, it was kind of frustrating because I worked so hard and then I showed people, they're like, oh, it's pretty good, you've made a couple small changes where it's like I ripped that thing apart and put it back together and it kind of looked the same. <laughs> but apparently it is better now, let's hope. Yes, Rochelle? Um, when you first get the idea for a book, like a partner or maybe other books, I'm just curious as to how the writing process starts for you. Do you do outlines? Does it start with a theme? Rochelle asked how I start when I get an idea. If I was responsible, I would do an outline, but I don't because I just can't think that way. I usually, I get I get an idea in my head and I just kind of sit down and start like writing the first, what I think will be the first chapter. Um, the first part of that I wrote of Ink was the, that part that I read about her family. It used to start with my sister Sarah's really good with numbers and then my editor's like, why is it starting with that? We don't know who these people are, no one cares yet. I'm like, mm. But I usually, like, I have an idea, I have their voice in my head, and I just, like, jot it out. And then I start thinking about, like, where I want to get to, and I just write. I have a feeling if I outlined, I would have to do less of that horrible plot rearranging later, but it's just not how I work, and I've just accepted it. Yes, Carlos? Uh, would you ever do a graphic novel? Uh, if someone else wanted to illustrate it, I would be happy to do a graphic novel. What would it be about? <laughs> Did someone say cats? No. <laughs> cats? <laughs> the animal or the musical? Either. Uh, I don't know. I would want to collaborate with the person who was drawing and see what ideas we had. Any, yes? Have you read any good books lately? Have I read any good books lately? Um, I, I've been like in an editing cave for a while. Oh, I read um, a YA novel, uh, Roomies, by Sarah Zahr and Tara Alta Brando, I think is how her name's pronounced. And it was just really fun and fast, and I loved it. Um, I've been trying to learn about history because I feel like I'm stupid about history. So I've been, I've been like, I bought some Pulitzer Prize winning like books about presidents. So I've been reading about Andrew Jackson for like three months now, and it's taking a long time. And then I'm going to read about Abraham Lincoln. And then I'm going to read about Richard Nixon, so I'm just learning. It's really, I, the more I get into editing hardcore and writing, I don't always read other YA very well because it just puts me back in editing mode. I'm like constantly evaluating it like it's mine and stressing out, so I've just started reading more nonfiction. Oh, I also read uh, like a true crime book over Christmas called Lost Girls about uh, these prostitutes that got murdered on Long Island, which sounds, I know it sounds like I'm reading something awful, but it's a really well-written book and it's really well done. So I recommend that book as well. Yes, Rebecca? Um, I've heard a lot about author process and stuff. Are you someone who writes editing? 
I do not write every day. I'm a terrible example. Like, if I was like giving a speech at school, I like I lie because I just need I need time to sit with my thoughts. I need time to procrastinate. I you know I have a job that I work nine to six Monday through Friday, and a lot of times I work all day and I get home and my brain is like that's it, and I just have like a cocktail and watch, like the Carrie Diaries, and then go to bed. That show's great. Awesome. Don't. There is nuance to some of the gay storylines in that that I've never seen done. Yeah, it totally is better than regular Sex in the City, guys. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes, Josh. If you have an idea, I mean, I don't know if you have ideas that end up getting aborted, like you don't end up. Like use of the word <laughs> aborted. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, like you have three books and you have. Fourth one that you're formulating, but I don't know if there's been ones that have been left in the. Dust yeah, I definitely have ideas that I can't do anything with. Do they end up? Uh, do they end up evolving into something else, or do you just leave them and go on to something else? It kind of depends. Sometimes I think I could like Larice Malcolmless was an idea that I had that I had to abort, to use your word, um, <laughs> because it just wasn't coming together right, and I I wasn't really clear on how to tell tell the story I wanted to. So I set it aside, and that was when I wrote Ink, and then I kind of figured out what I wanted to do with it, so I went back, I wrote it. But like, I have a story that I worked on for like months and months after Reese. I couldn't make anything work, but again, I feel like maybe I could someday, so I haven't like really used any of those characters yet. Um, but then I have other things. I'm like, I don't think I can do anything with that, so I'll just like harvest the characters for other books or take the setting or something like that. So I don't know, I like to think that a lot of authors talk about having like the book in the drawer that like didn't go anywhere, and I hope that I got a lot of those out of my system when I was like 15 and ripping off like Lorraine McDaniel novels. <laughs> oh, that was like the weirdest sound from like certain women who read those. <laughs> They're like, oh. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. How, how many books? Not like this book, but how many books have you made plus the books you are making? How many books have I made plus the books I am making? Um, so I have two published now, uh, Ink and Sickers and Water, Reese Malcolmless, and Kissing Ted Callahan is definitely coming out next year, I, I mean, guess. Um, spring 2015, they say, so we'll see what that means. Um, so that's three. I wrote like four or five books in high school. They were all real, real bad, um, but I did. And then I wrote, I wrote a book in like, the first time I went to college. <laughs> um, that was not better, but getting there. And then that's when I got obsessed with the idea for Reese Malcolmless and I worked on that for a long time. So I don't know. And I've got like little half finished chapters and bits of things. So I don't know. Five, six, seven. It's so it's so hard to quantify it because you just sometimes you throw things away, sometimes you do a save ass, sometimes you rewrite it, but is it a new book? I don't know. So any other questions, guys? Okay, I think we're done with questions. Thanks so much. The Q&A is always like my favorite part because you guys ask good questions and I just get to talk about myself. So thank you for making it amazing so much. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. 
You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.